This podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 135. Today we're going to talk about acquaintances, talk about friendships, relationships, partnerships, intimate relationships, people, things. Wait, well, maybe some things. (laughs) Yeah, man. Acquaintances. Ryan, you know, if today was a regular podcast right here. This is where all the advertisements would start. That's right, man. We could talk about if you're a if you're a company and you're looking to hire people. <laughs> we could talk about if your underwear are riding up your ass crack too much. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, how about uh, yesterday? Was we're recording this the day after Memorial Day, Ryan? Mm-hmm. How was your Memorial Day? Well, I I spent it well the true way that it was meant to be spent mattress shopping Mm. i got 15 percent off yesterday (laughs) you know you could have got 100 percent off if you didn't buy it ryan you know the memory foam never forgets (laughs) so uh today we're uh we don't have any advertisements because well we don't do advertisements so we might as well dive right into today's questions what do you say ryan let's do it man let's get into these voicemails who's our first one from jordan jordan and parker uh, Parker, Colorado. Where is Parker? Do you know where that's at on the map? I have to Google that. It's in Colorado. All right. Well, Parker's asking his question. I'm going to Google where Parker, Colorado is. His name's Jordan. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> Did you find it was a curve or struggle to attract the people who fit your same ideals or lifestyle that you two have adopted? So I, I guess what I meant, Ryan, is her name is Jordan. Yeah. You know, Jordan is not just a male name, Josh. Apparently, neither is Parker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so uh, let, let's talk about struggles, uh, the struggle to uh, attract people to uh, who share this lifestyle. And, and so the first thing I thought about, Ryan, is our first book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. The third chapter in there is a chapter about relationships. Mm. And I, I printed out a couple pages from it, pages 52 and 53. And I just wanted to read over a, a little bit here. So going from like a uh, your past life or your previous self to a new self, a new and improved self. I know that my problem was for the longest time, and and tell me if you relate to this. I I tried to sort of, well, it was the opposite of what she talked about. Um, I tried to fit my lifestyle around other people's expectations. Mm. And, and so I tried to be the person I thought everyone wanted me to be. But of course, different people wanted me to be a different person. So I was like Stretch Armstrong with my my values and beliefs. And for this person, I was trying to be this person. And for that person, I was trying to be this person. And and for another person, I was trying to be someone else. But along the way, I wasn't being myself at all. Yeah, especially as an introvert, man. That's That's got to be draining. It, it, yeah, especially. And the weird thing is, is, I didn't realize I was an introvert. I just thought that like... I was, there was something wrong with me mm. because it's like, well, this person wants to be like this. So I better, I better adjust myself a little bit. Now, uh, 
I think you can be fluent in multiple dialects and I think you can coexist among different types of people and still be your authentic self. You can still be you. It's just like if you know Spanish and you're hanging around a bunch of people who speak Spanish, it is polite to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really rude if you're around those people and you pretend to speak Spanish, though, <laughs> and you don't know a word, a, a single word of Spanish. You're just going to be a jerk, right? Yeah. And so I didn't realize at the time, but I was accidentally being a jerk around these people because I was trying to conform to what their expectations were. And so uh, this is a little excerpt from Minimalism, Lift of Meaningful Life, the, uh, the third chapter here on relationships, this uh, subsection here is called Reflecting on Past Relationships. The past does not equal the future. Living in the past is tantamount to driving using only the rear view mirror. Eventually, you will crash, crash if you don't know what's going on in front of you. Because of this, your past relationships aren't necessarily indicative of your future relationships. And this is good news. Much of the time, you don't think about why you're involved in a particular relationship. You just ended up there and you accept that this is where you are, even when the relationship makes you unhappy. That was something that happened to me all the time. Like, well, this is, uh, we're neighbors, we're coworkers, we're whatever. We, we just happened and we collided into each other. So all of a sudden, this is some sort of relationship. This is an acquaintance of mine now, yeah. right? And I'm going to drag this relationship in perpetuity. You can learn from your past relationships, though. The good times tell you what went well and give you a strategy by which you can model your future. And the bad times help you identify how things went wrong and give you and give you clues and social cues by which you can avoid bad relationships in the future. Everything is clearer in retrospect. There are three ways to create better relationships. And so um, I, 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 think about, I think about this with respect to Jordan's question here. Um, the first thing you can do is you can find new relationships. You've heard me say it a million times before. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Mm. So instead of me trying to conform to everyone else or try to get them to conform to me, how about attracting people who have similar values, similar interests? Uh, and there are a few things I think about there when I think about values. I th also think about do we share similar curiosities or uh, uh, do, do we share similar, well, geography is even something that is important if we want to spend a lot of time together, but it's not, it's not necessary as well. And we can talk about that. And also, do we, uh, are we willing to share similar discomforts? Mm. You and I signed up for the West Hollywood dodgeball rec league recently <laughs> um dude that, yeah i uh i'm so looking forward to that <laughs> that is gonna be so much fun because honestly i wanted to put a volleyball team together uh-huh but no one i know well a likes to play volleyball right or can play volleyball and uh this is like the perfect substitute for a volleyball team well and so what we're doing is me you bex mariah we tried to convince podcast sean he wasn't having any of it um <laughs> And uh, uh, Matt Diavella and his partner Natalie. So we're all going to join this West Hollywood uh, dodgeball team and a uh, rec league. And the reason I want to, in fact, Bax Kennedy said this is the most surprising development of, of the entire year for me that, Josh, you'd want to go out and do this. And for me, it's like, it, it's because it makes me uncomfortable mm. to, to do it. Like being around that many people, doing something new and being willing to sort of, 
dive into a discomfort together is a way that people grow. Our, our doctor, uh, Dr. Green over at Metro MD, one of the things he talks about, like, we'll go to the uh, soul cycle together and other things. Yeah, talk totally, about being uncomfortable, dude. Oh my God. You went last week. Um, yeah, was it last week? Yeah. Or a week before? Uh, whatever. Whatever like, it was, yeah. Yeah. And, and anyway, like going to that makes you uncomfortable, but also you realize that by sort of sweating together, either literally or figuratively, mm-hmm. you grow together. Yeah, you're going to build better relationships that way. Yeah, it's like a sort of um, kinesthetic learning yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that getting uncomfortable together, trying new things together helps you develop and expand those relationships. And, and it's not about bringing other minimalists into my life, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not about, um, it's not about uh, finding professional organizers to hang out with. Yeah, which would be fine. Yeah. Uh, it, but, but that's but, not the only people we hang out with. No, because... It, you would think that like you, me, Leo Babalta, Josh Becker, Courtney Carver, we would be like the best of friends. It's just all of us hanging out. It's all, all of us hanging out, yeah. drinking coffee, talking about minimalism. No, and those people are really good friends in my life. Yeah, I, they're, they're incredible they're, people. And and one of the things we wrote about in Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life are the, the three different types of relationships. You have your primary relationships, the, the people you can usually count on, on one hand, your close family members, maybe a business partner, or really close friends. Uh, and then you have secondary relationships, good friends, people you spend a decent amount of time with, people you would prioritize in your life, people you love and care about. And then you have the, the peripheral relationships, mm. the people on that tertiary tier, if you think about these as concentric circles. And uh, my problem for the longest time was I was spending 90% of my time with the people on that that outer layer. And so I forsook the people in, in the two closest circles because I'm like, oh, they'll understand. I'm so focused on my career and spending time with networking buddies and coworkers and executives. And The sad part is that sometimes they actually do understand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like sometimes they will. Like I remember I showed up to family get-togethers and, uh, you know, the, the few times I'd see them each year. I was always like, oh, there he is, our corporate success. The guy in the family who's working really hard, and it's okay that he can't see us because we know he's out there making money. We know he's out there, uh, you know, getting promoted and climbing the ladder. It's like, that's. I think it's even worse sometimes when uh, people give us permission to ignore him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty dangerous slope. Yeah, I think so. Because eventually they're going to stop giving you that permission. And they're going to feel like you are neglecting them. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. And I know that's true. Like, I'll understand for a while, but over time it's going to feel like, oh, I'm being taken advantage of. Every relationship that we're in. Uh, I, t- I wrote about this in Everything That Remains. It's sort of this this us box. Mm-hmm. You give what you can, you take what you need from a relationship. But if you're yeah. just taking, 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 taking and not giving what you can, well, then you're a parasite. Yeah. And and I think sometimes what happens is because we get so me-focused, so career-focused, so accomplishment-focused, mm-hmm. we start to take more than we're giving. And when we do that, the relationship suffers. And ultimately, if the relationship suffers, I suffer too, right? Even though I was the one neglecting it, I'm going to end up suffering in the long run as well because I'm not giving what I need to give to that. You know, it's, if you have a plant in your house, you're never watering it, then all of a sudden it dies. It doesn't feel good about that. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as it can feel, right? But you don't feel good about it either. You've got a dead plant. Now you have to like try to nourish or get rid of and getting rid of it isn't what you wanted. That's not why you got it in the first place, right? right. And so when I when I when I think about about what Jordan is is going through here, is it a big struggle? And 
I would say, yeah, it's definitely going to be a big struggle bringing people in your life, but it's not about do we own the same things? It can be, we have the same hobbies, we have the same interests, but mm -hmm. I think ultimately it comes down to we have the same values. And so the only two questions I think I would ask Jordan here is, um, why would people want to spend time with you? And, and so think about that, right? Um, what, what do your ideal friends look like? Your ideal acquaintances, your ideal coworkers, your ideal intimate relationship. What does that ideal person look like? And then what type of person would attract that person? Mm. And if you ask that, then you can help better shape the, uh, the person that you want to become to attract those people. Yeah. Yeah, for me, Jordan, it was it wasn't that difficult really to to attract people, and I'll tell you why. Well, I am an extrovert, so for me, um, I love throwing myself like the dodgeball is not very uncomfortable for me. Like that is something that I am totally looking forward to throwing myself into. Um, I threw myself into acting in a play. I threw myself into um, well, actually, it was a couple plays I acted in, uh, doing some you know volunteer work. Um, what, whatever it was, uh, I went out of my way to do things in the community that that I knew I would have opportunities to meet other people in the community, and I didn't meet friends you know right away. At first, they became acquaintances. Um, I think. Like Rebecca Schaefer is a great example. She was the director of that that play I was in, mm -hmm. and uh, her and I were really good acquaintances. And I don't know when you know it switched to us being really really good friends. Right. Um. But after a time of uh, of spending you know working on that play, um, she uh, had a cabaret that Mariah and I would go up and we would we would uh, support her in the cabaret. It was really fun to watch. It was fun to, su to, to support our friend or I guess maybe our acquaintance at the time. But eventually, after uh, me and Mariah, we went out of our way to to do the same things that Rebecca did. Not because we were just trying to be Rebecca's friend, but it's she always liked to do things we did or she was uh, producing shows that, that we really liked to see. Um, but yes, after spending enough time, we were able to become really close friends. I mean, she's staying at my house right now, yeah. uh, in, in, in my spare bedroom. So, so yeah, it's, for me, it's not difficult because I go out of my way to throw myself into, uh, different things into the community where I know I'm going to meet, uh, I am going to say like-minded people, not just open-minded people, yeah. but like-minded people, uh, people who are interested in the same things I am. So whether it's a soup kitchen, whether it's being in a play, uh, whether it's adopting a highway, whatever it is, uh, find something, Jordan, that you can throw yourself into in the community and you can meet people who have the same interests. I mean, of course, there's always uh, meetup.com you can go to and find different groups that you could um, find some like-minded people. You can go on OkCupid. <laughs> Do whatever you want. But there are ways to, to uh, kind of dive headfirst into into finding people with the same interests, the same values, the same beliefs. Yeah, in fact, I, I think I, th I agree with all of that except the beliefs part. I, th I think quite often, if you want your relationships to be interesting, um, you're probably going to have a lot of different beliefs. Mm -hmm. uh, like you yeah, and I, to do. you, you totally and I have different that. interests, different beliefs. Uh, they converge in some places, but we have the same values. And then occasionally, I think our, our beliefs and our interests they, they converge in certain areas, but they also diverge quite a bit as well. And I think that's what makes a, a relationship interesting. Yeah, I, I think that you and I are on the same exact page with that. Um, okay. I, I think that when it comes to beliefs, 
they do have to be a little bit similar. Um, if I believed in reptile people and I was constantly pitching you uh, conspiracy theories that involved reptile people, you probably uh, you probably wouldn't hang out with me too much. Yeah, you probably well, would avoid hanging out with me less. Yeah, I mean that's that's a mental illness though. Um, uh, okay. I, yeah. I I don't know anyone who believes in that who who doesn't have who truly believes in it doesn't have a a, a I, mental illness. I don't have the data to to say one way or the other, so I I don't know. But but I guess what I'm saying is is that yeah, I absolutely agree. Like beliefs are don't have to be this staple. It doesn't have to be this main, uh, this main thing that unites two people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that, uh, yeah, can add a little variety to your relationship. But it can also make the relationship stronger. I mean, think about church, man. That's why church works so well. Yeah, it's because you've got a community of people who genuinely care about each other. Mm-hmm. They they are all focused on the same thing. And they all have the same belief. Yeah. And that belief is really, really uniting in a lot of ways. I, I think that even, you know, uh, folks like that still, you want to have friends, uh, acquaintances in your life that have a little bit of a varying belief. Because, mm-hmm. yes, you don't want to just be stuck in a bubble. You don't want to be stuck in a box. Yeah. And it also works if you have nearly identical beliefs. And I think about my partner, Rebecca, and I. We Our beliefs are nearly identical. And so are our personalities. And, yeah. and that tends to work out. It's just that if every relationship in my life had the same beliefs, it'd be easy. It'd be comfortable. You'd be in a bubble, man. Yeah, I don't feel like I'd grow that way, right? Totally and, agree. And, and so I'm going to hide this from the camera. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're uh, we're filming this for the first time. I don't know if this is going to make it on YouTube or not. Uh, but podcast Sean is. I'm just realizing filming how this filming this time. adds a completely different element. Yeah, to the dynamic. Gonna... It like makes me feel like I need to be more animated when I talk. <laughs> So that way, like, it looks good for the camera. <laughs> I don't think you have to do that. I, I think there's. Are you good- sure I don't have to do that? <laughs> no, not positive. But uh, you haven't Ryan, even see the footage yet. If you're just listening to this, Ryan is essentially doing jumping jacks without jumping right now. Uh, but uh, when I when I think about the relationships I have, uh, and I think that maybe the the church uh, analogy that you you provided there is a good one. I I uh, I was talking to T.K. Coleman about this. And he was on the podcast, on the school podcast we did. And he, the thing that he said was, hey, you can, instead of going out looking for someone who wants to go to church with you mm-hmm. or finding, if I couldn't find someone to go to dodgeball with me, mm-hmm. guess what? There'd be a whole bunch of people at dodgeball who would want to go to dodgeball exactly. with me. And so you can go by yourself and find other like-minded people in that scenario it doesn't mean they're going to have all the same values beliefs interests as you but they will have similar interests to you in that particular setting and so you can just show up instead of trying to drag someone else there who may not be interested in it Mm. and then you're like neurosing over because they're not enjoying themselves the worst thing in the world for me is if i take someone to a concert and I'm constantly watching them the whole time to see if they're enjoying the concert <laughs> instead of just enjoying the concert. That's funny. And so I, I, when I go to a concert with someone, I, it usually has to be now where it's like, I know they're going to enjoy this. Otherwise, it's just going to be, be me wondering whether or not they enjoy the concert the entire time. Yeah, you going with that, the, uh, the dodgeball example, um, before you had reached out to me, dude, I was looking at volleyball leagues. And uh, it just that same week wasn't same day, but it was the same week that I was contemplating, like, I'm going to go join a volleyball league by myself because I know Mariah would go with me to support me. Yeah. Um, so at least I could have someone there for support. She wouldn't play uh, or, or, or maybe I could talk her into it. Either way, um, I was going to go join it by myself and meet other people 
who uh, who play volleyball. Right. And I'm sure that if uh, well, I'm positive, if the dodgeball league didn't come along, I would have absolutely have done that. Mm. And I guarantee you I'd have some new friends by the end of the summer. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jordan, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. I know I read that brief excerpt and I, I kind of got lost on the, uh, I went off on another tangent, but in there we talk about the three ways to create better relationships, find new relation, new relationships, transform your current relationships or change who you are. Now, instead of trying to change other people, maybe it's just, and I don't mean like become someone who you're not. Yeah, be yourself. Be, but become a better version of yourself, yes. right? Uh, That's a great uh, way of saying it. More, more, more filled with integrity and honesty and a, a, a vitality for life. And that attracts often the, the people that you want to attract. But there's, there's an entire chapter about evaluating your current relationships, changing who you are, and then also transforming your current relationships. And uh, we'll send you a copy of that. Sean, if you could reach out to Jordan and send her a copy, uh, maybe the audiobook of that. If you like our podcast, you'll definitely like the audiobook version of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Or if she wants the book book version or the ebook version, we're happy to send you those as well. Our next question is from Kayla in Kansas City. I'm a big introvert. I often feel like I'm pressured to spread my social energy too thin and I can't reach the close, genuine relationships I want. How do I remain polite and kind to the mass of acquaintances while setting aside more time for the people who really add value to my life? Also, it seems like everyone is expected to have hundreds of Facebook friends. Do you think I should minimize my friends list to just a few people? How would I go about doing that and handle any potential backlash? Dude, that is so funny, man. I was, uh, this was last year when we were in Ohio. I was having lunch. Um, I'm a, I won't name names to protect the innocent, but someone uh, had brought another friend to lunch to, to have lunch with me and Mariah. And they were like, yeah, I can tell, uh, uh, this is right before I canceled Facebook. They were like, yeah, I could tell, uh, I could tell you were, uh, uh, you're, you're getting more popular because of the Facebook likes and the friends that you have on Facebook. <laughs> and I just cringed. I was like, that's your measurement uh, of like how popular someone is. Like I, it was, it was actually one of the things that made me even think like, why am I even on Facebook? Like this is, it's a status symbol oh, at this point. Yeah. And I feel so bad for, for Kayla here who feels like she has to have some type of some amount of, uh, you know, curated list of friends on Facebook just to fit in. Yeah. Like that is so unfortunate. Well, we have over a million followers on social media. We do? I, I don't feel any happier. Oh my God. That is, are you serious? <laughs> I don't feel any happier. There's so many. <laughs> I do feel happier right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, no, it, the, the funny thing is like, as soon as you get to a million, you, you see the people with 10 million or you're like, yeah, we have a million, but I don't have a million on Twitter. And, and, and in fact, we have a friend, I will call him out because I love him. And, uh, I put Instagram back on my phone this weekend because it was Ella's birth, fifth birthday. You can follow her on Twitter. She's at Ella sandwich. She's happy because she has over 2000 Twitter followers. <laughs> And she says, "Does the, she still believe you?" The craziest thing, or does she still not believe you? She wants me. She doesn't really understand what Twitter is, but she wants me to read. Her, she's a narcissist, total narcissist. She wants me to read her tweets to her sometimes. Yeah, Josh, read read my tweets. Um, anyway, uh, our friend Josh, who's the filmmaker, uh, he lives in in Melbourne, mm -hmm. Melbourne, uh, Australia. Yes. Um, he 
he he posted something. He said he said thanks to everyone that's listened to our new podcast. It's called the Daily Talk Show. So shout out to Josh Josh Jansen uh, of the Daily Talk Show podcast. Since we launched back in January. Tommy, his co-host, and I have set little goals throughout. In May, it was to reach 5,000 downloads for the month. Uh, We're nearly there. If you haven't listened yet, I'd love for you to check it out. Even share it with a friend. And I said, congratulations. But what if the goal was to produce meaningful creations rather than hit an arbitrary metric? You called him out on on social (laughs) media? Of course I did. Wow. Uh, I'm a good friend. (laughs) <laughs> uh, or, or a good acquaintance maybe um but but I, I think the thing is like um and 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 i think people like you hold me accountable uh, in ways like that as well if i were to come to you and say ryan we've got to hit you know uh five million podcast downloads this month you'd, you'd be like that's the goal that's really where you want to end up mm-hmm. and in fact there was a project we were working on not that long ago where someone said hey um like we 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 had we had done really well creatively on it and we felt really good about it and we got on this conference call and they're like well we want to uh, we we want to do even better and and I'm like well what what's your outcome here mm-hmm. and they're like well we want to sell a shit ton of units uh, and you just like I could tell you were pissed, and you were like, "Hey, that's a really shitty business plan." <laughs> and and I think that's the truth. Like that that truth w- with us. Like maybe we look at our, ourselves not as a business plan, but as a individual plan. As a uh, how can I be my most congruent self? Mm. And that congruent self has nothing to do with the metrics I achieve. Yeah. Last week on the Postscript episode, you and I talked about uh, raising your standards and lowering your expectations. And I won't rehash the whole thing. If you're a Patreon supporter, you can go check out the the Postscript episode. But But really, I think that's important for us as individual, these are expectations. Mm. Hitting X number of downloads, having X number of likes or followers, or blah, 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 blah. And they might be metrics that are uh, indicators sometimes of what you're doing right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But when they become the primary driver, it's like, that's like we're making money the primary driver. It starts to dilute what is actually meaningful in our yeah, lives. Yeah, it goes from uh, meaningful creations to more content-driven. Yeah, content and, generation. And, and, and you know, <clears throat> God, man, it, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know, Kanye West or Kim Kardashian or, you know, one of those, you know, very boisterous, loud people who most people don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, but but they've got more likes, they've got more Twitter followers than me. Yeah. Uh, I would never trade lives with any of those people. Right. And uh, it, I guess it just goes to show how bad of a metric, looking at, looking at likes, looking at our our friends list, um um trying to trying to create content, pushing stuff out on social media, uh just for the purpose of generating um, likes and mm. for generating uh, uh, attention. I mean, maybe maybe you're getting the right, t- right type of attention on stuff. There's always an exception to the rule, but for sure, for all intents and purposes, using social media like that, it is an endless pursuit. Right. You will never have you will never have enough likes. You'll never have enough downloads. You'll never have 
enough content that you can put out there because it's just going to keep feeding itself to make it want more. Right. I mean, and there are people who do really well. Like I think Chris D'Elia does social media really, really well. He's hilarious that is such a on funny social statement. media. Does social media well? Yeah, right. right. He, <laughs> but it's 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 like he uses it as a way to produce funny creations. Like he figures out the medium and the best way to use that medium, as mm -hmm. opposed to just like let me broadcast a bunch of spam. He's like, here's the best way for me to use this. And as a consequence, he has a lot of fun. He has you know over a million followers on on whatever platforms, right? And and because of that. It, it does go together. But guess what? There are plenty of other people that have 17 million followers and all they do is show their ass in a bikini, exactly. right? And and so the, the, the number of likes and so-called engagement isn't the real engagement. Real engagement comes from how deep we're willing to go. I mean, because Chris D'Elia is someone where I can literally find value in a one minute clip from him that is hilarious mm -hmm. because it goes deep within that one minute. Most people um, use social media to uh, masturbate in their own room, right? Mm -hmm. There's that, that old essay from, um, oh, which book is that? I think it's an essential. Yeah. Please, please masturbate in your it's own funny, room. It's funny, yeah, every selfie I see, all yeah. it says to me is, look at me! Yeah. I love the selfies where it's like, just hanging out Memorial Day, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like cleavage, right? And it's, I mean, it, the whole purpose of it is, look at me, <laughs> and if you have a look at me attitude, like that is again, it's an, it's a bottomless pit. Yeah, as opposed to, hey, I made this thing, and I think you'll find some value in it. Yeah. That could be a funny joke. In a tweet, I mean, Twitter is hilarious. If you have, there are Twitter comedians that can't do the stage comedian thing, but they write these one-liners that are just have me rolling. I mean, they're great, and so they use the platform in a way that's appropriate for communicating what they want to communicate. And so, back to Kayla's question here. I mean, uh, she she talks about feeling this pressure, right? Especially as an introvert. So I want to talk about a few things. Uh, we we alluded to the three the three different con concentric circles of relationships. The primary relationship, secondary, and then the tertiary relationships or the peripheral relationships. And so I found that for me, the right equation as an introvert, and I think the difference between me and you, this is a great example here because I'm extreme introvert, you're extreme extrovert. I think the difference between the two of us, we both have small, relatively small, between around five people on our primary circle. You might have a couple more people than me in, in your primary circle. Mm -hmm. Primary relationship, it's gonna be a small group of people, right? Around that, the secondary relationships, I have very few. Mm. And you have a lot of secondary relationships. Mm. Good friends, people you love and care about mm. and will stay at your house. And and uh, they can definitely rely on you all the time to hang out, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and then on that tertiary level, the, the third level, I feel like we both have a lot of sort of acquaintances and 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 friends who are on that, that outer level that maybe we don't see all the time, but we still people we care about and love. We just don't allocate a lot of time to them, right? In fact, uh, you and I went to the comedy store um, the other night, with, and I just sent out a text. People know I don't ask people to go out very often, mm -hmm. and so I sent out a text to 14 friends. Mm-hmm. And, and who were in that, that, that group of people, right? Yeah. And 12 of them showed up. Yeah. Because they know I've, uh, hey, if Josh is asking, he barely ever asks to go out because 
I don't go out very much. Yes. And so I am going to show up. And, and it's not because I'm some great guy. It's because they know if, if I'm if I'm going out, it's one of the rare times that we're going to spend time together. Yeah. And, and I guess what I'm trying to communicate here is just because you don't see someone every day or every week as an introvert doesn't mean they aren't your good friend. Yeah. We just had breakfast yesterday with our friend uh, Jason Zook. Was it Zook? Zook. Uh, Zook. So, or is it headsets.com? So, uh, our friend Jason, he used to sell his last name every year to a company as like this weird, hilarious. When we met him, experiment. he was Jason Surfer App. Yeah, Jason Surfer App. And then he was JasonHeadsets.com. And now he's Jason Zook. And, um,. Which is an old family name that he just sort of stole from a, a grandpa. I love that um, he still doesn't have his original last name. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, he has a whole backstory behind that. Um, you could find him on Twitter. I think he, he's still at J- Jason Does Stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, he's a really good dude, but I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. But I still consider him a friend. I know if I needed something, he'd be there. He's a person who's in that periphery uh, of my life because I don't see him every week or even every month. But I also know that I can sit down and have a meaningful conversation with him because we do have similar values and we do have somewhat similar interests and Mm -hmm. we're in similar spaces. And now we're in a similar geography. We didn't use to, he lives in like down in San Diego and we live up here in Los Angeles. So Mm -hmm. Southern California geography. So that will enable us to actually spend more time together now and we'll have a closer relationship because of it right and so just because you don't see someone every week or every month doesn't mean that the relationship can't be meaningful when you do hang out if you hang out once a year you make that interaction as meaningful as possible you don't have your phone out you you don't talk about the weather you you're able to dive in into these non-obligatory conversations you're there because you want to be there yeah absolutely Man, you know, um, I would tell you, Kayla, you've got to get better at saying no. Um, to be honest with your friends and to look at them in a genuine in a genuine way and say, no, I cannot hang out with you. I have to go have my alone time. The comedy store is a great example. So Josh invites all of us out. There's a certain <laughs> point where I look where I look up and Josh is gone. Him and Bex left. I didn't get a goodbye. I didn't get a tap on the shoulder, but that's okay. Yeah. Cause like, I know that's Josh's MO. That's what he does. That's, that's, uh, that's something that I support him in doing. That's what you need to do yeah. in order to, uh, get your alone time to whatever it is. In fact, because we're such good friends, dude, I don't even have to ask why. Yeah. It's like, I know that that's what you got to do. So, uh, you know, it, it, do I get offended? No. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm trying to say, Kayla, is that you're, you're good friends, even your good, your good acquaintances. If you're being honest with them, if you're being genuine, they're not going to get offended by you saying, no, I cannot hang out with you. I have to have my alone time. And if they don't understand, then fuck them. They're not your (laughs) friends and they're not, they're not good friends. They're not good acquaintances. So maybe Kayla use this as a really good way to filter out who your, uh, who your friends frenemies are uh, and uh uh yeah this this is this is something that i i have just now been able to grasp like over the last five or six years and that that's back to that that's me being the the that being my authentic self and and with bex it's difficult for her because she's been acculturated for many uh many years she grew up in minnesota have you heard of the minnesota goodbye it's like 
people like they just constantly say goodbye goodbye it's like a 25 minute goodbye before mm-hmm. you leave and they walk you out to the door and then they walk you outside the door onto the porch and <laughs> I, the opposite of that is the irish goodbye right that's what i do right yeah, yeah, i just yeah. i leave yeah and i just exit i just and and guess what no one actually cares uh and that's the thing like and so so the the pressure that you feel kayla 99 percent of that pressure that you feel is internal yeah it's, and, it's her putting it on herself yeah and, and back to what ryan said the other one percent if someone is putting some unnecessary pressure on you that's on them that's not even on you anyway so realize that most of that pressure is all yours and uh, I, I heard this term recently on josh zepp's podcast um he has a podcast called we the people live and um sort of a debate show and a conversation slash debate show and uh this term came up uh we've all heard of fomo the fear of missing out and i think mm. that's what that's what kayla's talking about right now especially with the having hundreds of facebook friends and uh in fact i deleted my linkedin account this week ryan and <laughs> you just now deleted that do you have one no. still? well i didn't really and like i got some like update policy update from them you know your policy our privacy policy is or whatever and yeah. I'm like, why do I still have a LinkedIn account? And and then I, I'm like, I don't ever use this. This is stupid. I'm gonna go ahead and delete it. And I went in to delete it, and I saw all of these unread messages from like Matt Reidenbach and and Chris Herringer and and like people I hadn't talked to in years. People I, I like, yeah. But I'm like, I haven't talked to them. In, and then I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I can't delete this. There's all these messages in here. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I had the 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 fear of missing out. But really, it was this term I hear, not, not the FOMO, but the funk. F-O-N-C, the fear of not connecting. (laughs) All right, I'll go with it. Well, here's the thing. Like, I got in there and I'm like, oh, but I have to be connected to these people. Mm. And so I can't delete my my LinkedIn account. I'm like, what are you doing? That's so weird. As an introvert, you you have funk. Yeah, but it's, it's really not, it's not even the fear of not connecting. It's the fear of potentially not connecting right yeah like uh if if someone need or if you need is it is it if someone needs to get a hold of you or if you need to get a hold of someone or is it both i i think it's neither in a weird way because i found that when i deleted facebook it was like there were certain people there still are certain people i only had access to them on facebook and yeah. i've wanted to like reactivate reactivate my facebook account so i could send them messages mm-hmm. and say hey Here's my cell phone number in case you ever want to connect. But what I realize is that these people will find me one way or the other. And and uh, but but I, I guess I'm just trying to relate here because yeah, there was a certain point where I'm like, oh shit, like that person that I really enjoyed DMing back and forth with yeah. that was only on Facebook. Right. Um, but again, like we have found other ways to connect. So for you, what is it? Is it it's it's the fear of well, I just saw it in there. I'm like, oh, these are messages from people that I that were once definitely in one of those circles for me in fact many of them were like close to primary i spent more time with these many of them were just linkedin so it's co-workers mostly right, right? i spent 40 hours a week with some of these people or mm. 60 hours a week you know i spent a ton of time with 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 these people and now all of a sudden i don't and and part of it is is not even the fomo or the fear of not connecting it's just the the nostalgia and i think nostalgia is dangerous Mm. man because it it relives a past that didn't exist the past is not as rosy you know i know we want to uh think that everything was great in the 1950s but it wasn't 
I mean, that's the thing. We've never lived in a better time than right now, and it will continue to get better. And by living in a nostalgic world, it pretends that things were better, and it doesn't give credit to how good things are right now. And so I just deleted it, and guess what? I lived past it. So I think one of the things that, that Kayla can do here is she can unfollow the, quote, friends that she doesn't want to follow it, and that won't create any tension whatsoever for her. You don't have to unfriend them or defriend them or whatever term people are using now. Or you can do what Ryan did and just delete your whole account, and you might be happier because of it. And if you delete it for a while, I'm sure you can always bring it back in if they you want to bring it back They will always take you back, Kayla. Yeah, they're not going to kick you out of the Facebook club. They will. They would love, yeah, they would love to have you back in the club. I mean, I think the, the last thing to, to just remember here is that introverts probably need fewer secondary relationships. So Ryan said, say, get good at saying no, or they say yes to the right things. Like the comedy store night, That w it's a great strategy for me. So we show up about an hour early to get in line there. And so I get to spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes with this group of 12 friends as they slowly trickle in. But then we're inside and I no longer have to interact with them one-on-one, -on -one, but we get, still get to share this experience together. Mm -hmm. We're texting about it the next day. Who was your favorite? Oh, mine was this one. And, and But I don't have to spend four hours with uh, people having just uh, a constant nonstop conversation. We get the connection, we get to have the interaction and experience together, mm -hmm. but we don't have to constantly interact. So create the, the right experiences with those folks as well. Yeah. Kayla, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. There's a, the ninth chapter in there is a chapter about relationships. And there are a bunch of different essays about different types of relationships, what we can do to improve our relationships. So Essential is an essay collection with 150 different essays. And those essays range on different topics, 12 different topics. So everything from minimalism and stuff to relationships and mindfulness and everything in between. So I hope you find value in that book. Sean, if you could reach out to, to Kayla, give her the audiobook version of that or, or maybe the book or the ebook version if she would like. All right, we'd love to hear what y'all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about acquaintances, about relationships, about the people in your life, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. And stay tuned to the end of this episode. We'll have our favorite comments and tips at the end of this episode as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the Minimalists Lightning Round, where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at The Minimalists. Join over a million people. Good God. Or don't. You don't have to follow us. If, <clears throat> or if unfollow us if we're not adding value. Amen to that. During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our pithy answers in one place. Thank you to Jessica Lynn Williams our wonderful social media manager. She's collected all of our Minimal Maxims over at minimalmaxims.com. All right, our first question is from Daisy. What's the value of having acquaintances who are responsible with their money? Well, I have a, a short answer for you, and I think I'll just leave it at the short answer here, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Responsibility is contagious. So whether that's with money or not, I, I think your your answer leads into a, a better uh, discussion point. Thanks, man. You know, I'm when I read this question, I'm confused on how 
it's not valuable. Yeah. <laughs> like, how would it? Uh, yeah, I just maybe it's like having having uh, the people around you to have an example of what not to do. Yeah, surround yourself with examples of what not to do with your life. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. No. And here's why: your friends reflect you, and you reflect them. Yeah, it's a it's a mirror, right? I mean, and you become better in time with with. Uh, when I said responsibility is contagious, I think the opposite is also true. Irresponsibility. I did a lot of irresponsible shit during my teenage years. Mm. A lot of things that could have put me in jail for, well, probably uh, if I did them as an adult for a rather long time. And um, uh, it's because I spent some time with some people who were just as irresponsible as me. And that irresponsibility breeds irresponsibility. And it was this vicious downward spiral till we reached this unhealthy nadir of discontent and unhappiness and stewing in our continual losses. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, our next question is from Tracy. How can you get past the stage of having acquaintances and turn them into meaningful and fruitful friendships? Well, my short answer is you get more when you give more. And so I think when we approach a relationship, it doesn't even have to be an acquaintance. It could be a person who's uh, on the outer banks of your peripheral relationships, the peripheral tier, right? And so you have... The people who are burying that, barely in that tertiary circle, they're on the outer banks of that. They're the, it's the person at the coffee shop across the street that I went to to get coffee this morning. And, and uh, his name is Joshua, and although people call him Tito. And uh, which I wish I had something cool to say like that. Like, what's your name? Joshua, but people call me Tito. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, unless I owe you money, then my name's Chris. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, but uh, uh, the, the the thing that I, when I was talking to him uh, uh, across the street, like even I don't know him really, right? But I want to give to that short interaction that I have, right? What I'm, how am I going to make the best of this interaction so that it's not just transactional, but so that I leave here feeling good about myself, it, incre- it changes my state, it changes his state, he's mm-hmm. feeling good, he remembers my name next time, I remember his name, so I go into the coffee shop, hey, do you want the usual or whatever? And all of a sudden, we're, we're creating this acquaintanceship that over time, who knows? Uh, I think of my good friend, Nate Green, from nategreen.org. He uh, he was just on our, our friend Matt Diavella's podcast recently. I love how all of all of our friends have websites you can visit. I think everyone will have a website within the next five years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 2008 called. They want their prediction back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Podcast Sean has a website. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, our, our good friend Nate Green. Yeah, uh, he, he we met each other at a coffee shop. We were at Zootown Brew in Missoula, Montana. I was just hanging out, and he came up and said, hey, man, I really appreciate what you're doing. I don't want to bother you. Here's a gift card. I think what you're doing really adds value to people's lives. This is a good way for me to add value to your life. And that was it. He didn't say anything else. He didn't say, here's my uh, Twitter handle or something. But then I saw him in the coffee shop again, like a month later. I'm like, hey, man, thanks again for that gift card. Let's uh, sit down and talk. 
and we just had a good good conversation. Like I had the it was good timing. Like because most of the time I'm in a coffee shop, I don't have time to sit down and talk. But I had 15 minutes. I'm like, hey, I just sat down with him, and I'm like, hey, you got a few minutes? Let's just chat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've become really good friends. He became he was he not, was staying at your place last week. Yeah, he's the first person to ever stay at my my place here in California. Yeah, um, him and his. Uh, yeah, him and his girl Rochelle. Yeah, yeah, and so they they were here and they stayed for an entire week and we had a really great week together. Um, we shared gratitude practices together. Like we had a really great week. We we went to Volta Spa together. Like we we had all of these Volta's like the Russian bathhouse uh, for people who are listening to this. Um, and and we just had a really good time together. But it started off just because he gave something without any expectation of anything in return. He didn't say, I'm going to give him this $20 gift card because one day I'm going to need a place to save for six days in Los Angeles, California. Right. No, no, it doesn't work that way. You're going to give a bunch and you won't always get back. It's not, it's not a reciprocal relationship. You give what you can and then you get what you need. What a great example of raising your standards and lowering your expectations. Amen. Absolutely. What about you, Ryan? For me, uh, my short answer is this. The more values and beliefs two people share, the more fruitful the relationship. And, you know, just going back to that beliefs part, I think that, yes, we absolutely need to have, uh, we need to be hanging out with people who share different beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, and what I've learned the hard way is it's not healthy to just be around people with the same beliefs because personally, I start to get disconnected from the real world. Yeah. I start to get disconnected from how, uh, you know, maybe there's this group of 8 million people or 9 million people who believe the same thing. Well, there are, you know, 7 billion people on the planet. I start to get disconnected and, and start to become, uh, apathetic to, to people's, uh, beliefs. And a lot of the time beliefs, uh, have values associated with them. Yeah. And so, and it's hard to uncouple them, but it's possible to uncouple them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say though that like you and Bex, for example, if you guys had very different belief, let's say Bex was a hardcore Christian, you probably wouldn't be with her. Not, not for any other reason than those are very different radical beliefs. It will require you to support something that you necessarily, you know, don't go out of your way to support. Yeah. But, but I have a lot of friends who are hardcore Christians. Absolutely. You wouldn't marry him though. Right, you you wouldn't live with them. I, but but yeah, that's true. But I I have I would argue that um, I have at least one or two primary relationships with people who are are fundamentalist Christians. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I think what I'm trying to get at is is that I I don't want to take beliefs off the table when it comes to relationships. Right. I don't want it to just be this inclusive thing that's on the table. Yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to get at with this comment is that. When you, the more values you share with someone, the more beliefs that you share with someone, that relationship that you have with that person or people, it's going to be a much more fruit, fruitful relationship. Yeah, I, 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 ultimately, it comes down to what we what we mean by beliefs. Um, I agree with you that uh, the beliefs, you, the world is round. The belief that you should treat people well. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, the, the a lot of those are, are values. I mean, the, the world is round thing. Like, yeah, again, I, I. I I don't have um, someone who believes the earth is flat and truly believes that is a mentally ill person. Um, and, and, and so like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I would hope they can get the help that they need and I'm happy to help facilitate that help. But if someone actually believes that, then yeah, they're, they're, they're probably not going to be in my inner circle unless 
they have some sort of mental illness, and then I'm going to try and get them the help they need. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, but but with respect to, uh, I mean, I, I think about uh, my good friend who we're going to see in a couple months. Um, we went to high school together, and uh, he is a pastor. Right. And um, we, I mean, we, I call him up, you know, once a month. I'm like, hey, you still believe in God? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, talk to you later. Um, and and like, it's just it's it's a we're, we have an understanding of each other because, um, uh, and we're, we're able to joke with each other like that in a way. Yeah. You know, but you still going to hell, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. Like, <laughs> like, like, j- but just in, in a way that is that is joking. But we also have some of the most profound question er, conversations because we have different beliefs, and we're not trying to convince the other person so much as we're trying to strengthen or improve our points. And sometimes yeah. improving my point means totally changing my point of view altogether. Sometimes, yeah. And, and if we have relation relationships who can be open to other beliefs, then maybe that's the the ultimate good relationship, being open to changing your belief as uh, as you're presented with, with new information. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, one more question we have here. I think we could do a whole episode on frenemies, Ryan. I know. I've, I've wanted to do an episode on frenemies. So Inver asks, how do I break up with frenemies. Now, I've always wanted to do a whole episode about frenemies, and now we kind of get to, because if you want to hear our answer to Inverse question about how, how do you break up with frenemies, well, then you can <laughs> tune into uh, this week's Postscript episode over at the Minimalist Private Podcast, which is available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. That's why it is a private podcast. So I'm you, sorry that I'm laughing at your thing here, dude, but you've got the definite... No, off- stop. Uh, don't. Don't. I don't run it. I'm, I'm not going to ruin it. I'm, 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 te- it. I'm teasing it. Okay. Uh, you have the you have written uh, the definition of frenemy here. Uh-huh. I'm not going to read the definition aloud, uh-huh. um, but I'm just wondering: th- is this something you found in the dictionary or the Urban Dictionary? Because personally, that Urban Dictionary is what I use all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is an actual definition from a dictionary, but then I expand on on the definition <laughs> a little bit. So, if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, then head on over to theminimalists.com/support. In addition to our weekly Postscript episodes, the Minimalist Private Podcast feed includes our monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything episodes. Uh, we just uh, did our 10th one of those. We have 10 of the, we have 51 or 52 private podcasts out there now, and you can wow. you, you can access the whole uh, back catalog of private podcasts, including all 10 Ask the Minimalist Anything episodes. Also, unreleased recordings of our live events. We just put up... I think my favorite event of the Australian tour, the Sydney event, that was a really good one. We got the Melbourne event coming really soon as well. That was Ryan's favorite event of the Australian tour. So that's going out there. We got a bunch of other live events coming, and we already put up a bunch of our other live events in the private podcast stream as well, and, and of course, the, the weekly Postscript episodes. And you get the entire back catalog of past private episodes. Once you become a supporter, you'll receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays in whatever podcast app you use right next to the podcast that you're listening to right now and as a patreon supporter you also receive access to our monthly live stream videos as well as uh, as first access to tickets to all of our live events before those a ticket those tickets are available to the general public so ryan and i we're about to announce the simply southern tour we're going on a three-city tour in kentucky 
and Alabama and Tennessee. And if you want access to those tickets before they go on sale to the general public, then become a Patreon supporter and you can get the best seats in the house. Really looking forward to those events, man. So yeah, yeah just for those listening, is this the first time we're talking about it? Uh, we, we, we teased it a little bit uh, last week. So they're going to go on sale to the general public June 8th. Uh, it's called the Simply Southern Tour. Did we tease it in the podcast or the Patreon? The, the private podcast. podcast. The, no. It was a regular podcast. Yeah, regular, okay. uh, last week's uh, intentional episode, we teased a little bit. But the pre-sale for Patreon supporters goes on sale uh, June 6, 2018. Uh, you can find all the details and good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. As soon as someone starts gossiping to me, that throws up a huge red flag. Yeah. Any, anyone in my life who starts gossiping, uh, because if someone gossips to you, they will gossip about you. Absolutely. As soon as you're not there, they're talking about you. Mm-hmm. And so if you're that person, if you're, if you're uh, listening to this and you're that person who gossips about other people when they're not there, mm-hmm. then, then uh, you're gossiping to people, then, then realize people see you and they realize you can't be, you're, you're not a trusted person. You're not a confidant. You may feel like you are, but you're actually not in, in these scenarios. All right, and we're back. And if you want to hear that full conversation, you can become a patron over at theminimalists.com. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. So where Ryan and I both talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. I have three things, Ryan. I'm, I've been purging my list because I just had this huge list. I've been trying to get rid of some of them. Um, this new album just came out. And it's called Run to Waters by... Justin Nazuka, are you familiar with his music? Mm-mm. He had a big hit single, I think, back in the oddies. Um, it kind of reminds me of like a really soft version of Charlie Mars's music. You remember Charlie Mars? Yeah. Um, it's it's like one of those albums you just want to put on and like relax on a Sunday. It's singer songwriter, and his voice is like super melodic and calm. And and uh, I put it on, and Ella was like humming along to it in the car. We we were uh, driving down to Disneyland for her birthday. Uh, she absolutely loved it. And, except she requested another album. I asked her what she wanted to hear on. So we went to Disneyland the day before her birthday, and on her birthday morning, I asked her what she wanted to hear. And she said, I want to hear Pusha T. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked out that album yet. <laughs> it's called Daytona. It only has seven songs on it. It is a great album, except he is in a feud with Drake right now. And Drake just roasted him over the weekend. Man, I can't keep up with these hip-hop feuds. Um, it, it, it's so interesting. And by the time we're recording this on a day, like... Pusha T has not responded. He put out what might be a classic album. The the beats on it were... Uh, so all the production is done by Kanye West. And it's like this ultra-minimalist soundscape to what is some fairly absurd, uh, overindulgent, consumerist rap. But if you can set that aside for a moment, uh, uh, his talent level is... Uh, it's superb. And so like... Uh, Two recommendations there. Justin Nazuka and Pusha T couldn't be be any any different, but they're both great albums. And uh, I've had this one on my list for a while, I'd, so it's it's past due. Have you heard of the show Halt and Catch Fire? Mm-mm. We were on a tour in 2014. The first season came out. So I just finished the fourth and final season of it a few months ago. 
it takes place in the 80s during this sort of tech boom. It starts in the early 80s and the season ends, or the fourth season ends, sort of like the late 80s or maybe even early 90s. This is fiction, right? It, it is, but it's based very loosely on like Compact and Steve Jobs and like... It, so it kind of takes these like famous like uh, uh, people who are, you know, at the time they were cutting edge with yes. technology and these and it, stories we hear about and kind of integrates fiction, them a little bit. Yeah, but it fictionalizes them. So it's not the actual Steve Jobs jobs but it's a character sort of based on the life of and and it's a a character based on the life of uh mcafee before he went crazy and started uh well um (laughs) i don't i don't know what he did uh i mean he's really into like well it's probably not appropriate um I'll, I'll Google it later. No, nah, don't. Don't Google image search it. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> anyway. You know how many people just paused this? <laughs> <laughs> to go image search. Have you seen Two Girls, One Cup, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Did McAfee direct it? Uh, I think he was like recreating it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like one crazy guy, one cup. Anyway, um... He, uh, um, anyway, the, the show has nothing to do with any of that. Um, <laughs> halt and Catch Fire. We were on tour in 2014, and, like, I, I was looking for something to watch. And so I, uh, for whatever reason, like, turned on, I think it's on AMC or A&E or whatever, one of these channels that we were on in a hotel room. And the show from the 1980s was on. And I'm like, I don't remember this show being on in the 80s. Mm that's how true to the like it looked so 1980s but like really high i'm like how did they get this high quality camera work in the 80s it looked so spot on 1981 so you're saying like set design wardrobe is like right on 1980s yeah the atmospherics the aesthetics of the show were amazing but also the plot and the 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 character relationships in this show so what I would encourage you to do, not watch the fourth season like I just finished. Just go back and watch the first episode of the first season. See if you like it. See if it attracts you. If it feels so genuine to 1980, then then if you're looking for something to watch, then it's a, it's a show that I found uh, immensely valuable and I, I connected with a lot of the characters uh, emotionally and, and aesthetically as well. I, I, I found that the show was just so well done that I, I got really involved with it by the end of it. You know, I've been looking for um, different... Uh, most of them are nonfiction, type, like doco series type things that, that end up being like this. Sometimes you can find uh, uh, some series that, that have only a season or two. But what I'm getting at is, is like that's, that's what I've been... After watching Wild Wild Country, it was six episodes. It was uh, about 50 minutes long each. Um, it, you know, the most I could binge in one day was six hours. It wasn't spewing into the next day. I didn't watch them all at once, but, <laughs> but, but my point is, is that, uh, there's a, there's a really nice mini, uh, doco series called evil genius. Oh, I've heard about this. I haven't seen it though. Dude, it is. Tell me about it. It's good, man. Um, there was, a, there was, I never heard of this, uh, this, this, this instance in the news, but there was this case where like this dude walked into a bank he had a bomb strapped around his neck and he hands the teller a note and it basically says, you know, I, I want money, essentially. Yeah. But the whole thing is like, as the cops catch this guy, because eventually, I mean, you know, you got a big bomb around your neck. <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you're robbing a bank. Cops are probably going to find you. They have like the Flavor Flav clock on it. No. So, oh. <laughs> so um, as this dude 
is being apprehended by the police, he, what he he's basically yelling out like I he's like I've been kidnapped. This bomb has been put around my neck, and if I don't get if I don't follow these instructions, this bomb is going to go off. Oh my god! I'm just gonna leave it there. Ah. <laughs> so <clears throat> this is essentially a deep dive into what the hell transpired over o- over this whole. Where do you find it? Case it's on Netflix. All right, sweet. And it is, yeah, it is. Uh, it's. I think it's. I want to say it's four episodes. But anyway, it's it's like yeah, it's something that's totally palatable. Like you know, it won't you won't waste weekends watching this. Um, and it is it is a truly like just interesting story. I'm looking for a good documentary, so I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. Evil Genius. Evil Genius. All right, let's check it out. All right, um, it's time to move on to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We got a lot of good creations. Hopefully, outstanding creations coming up really soon. Uh, first off, something called Living Room Conversations. Every day in June 2018 on the Minimalist's YouTube channel. So go to youtube.com slash the minimalist. I'm going to be answering a question every day in June, and Ryan has agreed to be a special guest on Living Room Conversations. So we're going to do this video series for at least 30 days. Every, one day, every day in June, answering your questions. If you do have questions, you can submit them over on youtube.com slash the minimalist as well. Speaking of creating videos, we're going to be creating a lot more video work. So we're going to be hiring a filmmaker really soon to create a video version of the podcast and other video creations. June 15th is when we're going to put the job posting for that up on the website, theminimalists.com. Uh, or you can just subscribe to our email list over at The Minimalists, and uh, you'll get that right there in your inbox, as well as all of the show notes for these podcasts as well, and any new essays that we write, including the new essay that I just put out called Small Losses. I'm going to read this really quickly. Uh, small Losses. We all agree it's important to celebrate the tiny victories. You worked out yesterday. You ate a healthy lunch today. You'll phone someone you love tomorrow. Hooray. Tiny triumphs are are worthy of lowercase praise. We needn't wait until the full body transformation, the championship title, the next major accomplishment to acknowledge our progress. In fact, waiting until something miraculous happens marginalizes our small wins, which leads to fewer favorable results going forward until eventually the whole thing collapses, collapses under the weight of a million micro indiscretions. True. That buzzer-beating three-pointer might have won the big game, but so did every practice session and every scrimmage game and every four-foot bank shot in the first quarter. Flip the coin, though, and we realize the opposite is also true. It's equally important to acknowledge our small losses. You skipped the gym this morning. You ate leftover chocolate cake this afternoon. I know I did that, damn it, with Ella's birthday. We had some leftover chocolate cake that night. Was, <laughs> this is why I don't keep keep cake in the house, Josh. Yeah, I don't either, but <laughs> Ella does. I I threw the rest out. Next morning, Ella looked in a trash can and she was like, "What? Why'd you throw out the chocolate cake?" I'm like, "It will spoil eventually." <laughs> what spoil? <laughs> Shut up. You threw away your cake. <laughs> oh my god! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> you ate leftover chocolate cake this afternoon. You'll ignore your spouse when he's talking tonight. Shame. We must reflect on our minute infractions and misbehaviors with lowercase scorn. No, we needn't dwell on our missteps. We need only concede that we tripped up a bit, and then carry that lesson forward. You see. We are all amalgams of our small wins and our small losses. 
Therefore, each giant victory is a product of every small loss we avoid. What matters then is what we do when our most recent between our most recent loss and the most small mo, and the next small victory. Um, yeah, so you can find that essay. It's theminimalists.com/losses. And then if you want any new essays in your inbox, just sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. We'll never send you any spam ever because that stuff is gross. You know that essay, man. It's uh, it's really because. You know, we've all we've all heard, you know, uh, learn from your failures, right? And when people think about learning from your failures, it is typically these big failures, like oh, like I, yeah, I lost the game, or I uh, didn't get my book accepted, um, you know, by a publisher. I mean, there are these big failures, yeah. But yeah, man, that essay is like. It's a nice reminder of like learn from your mistakes, like all of your mistakes. So you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to wait for the big failure, right? Because by then it's really hard to course correct. Mm-hmm. It's way easier to course correct. You're like, you know, I screwed up, and I had a little bit of the leftover chocolate cake, so I'm going to throw this out. Mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging that loss, so I don't have a big loss, uh, gain all of my 80 pounds back from a decade ago, right? Right. It's just not going to happen. And so acknowledge that small loss now, so you don't have to acknowledge the the huge loss later what else is going oh uh also on patreon right now the sydney event i already mentioned that all 10 ask the minimalist anything uh episodes we got the videos and the um the audio version of those as well are posted on the minimalist private podcast simply southern tour we're headed to birmingham louisville and nashville so we're going to be in alabama kentucky and Tennessee. We're going to have three special guests, and I hope they'll be able to announce those guests next week or uh, uh, actually next week on the on the, um, well, on the the podcast, but also this week on uh, the website. So you'll see those over there on the website. If you want access to the early tickets, become a Patreon supporter, or they go on sale to the general public on June 8th. Now, this isn't going to be Ryan and I getting up and giving a talk. You're going to join us for a night of less. We're going to bring a special guest onto the podcast. We're going to talk about minimalism and decluttering, but we're also going to talk about finances and family and budgeting. And uh, I know one of the, the biggest, hardest things to talk about with people that we care about is money, mm. right? And so we're going to have these three events where we talk about money and how that how we can improve our relationship with money so we can improve the relationships in our lives. I'm really looking forward to it, man. Yeah, this is not the, this isn't the less is now tour. There isn't a, a no, no talk. It is, uh, it's us bringing a friend on stage to talk about some really important things. Yeah. And, uh, we're also gonna have another friend there, Canyon city, who you heard on our, our hobbies podcast. He's going to open up all three events with some beautiful music. So you can join us for that as well. Uh, one last thing, I am teaching a writing class twice a year. I do a two-hour writing workshop. It's called How to Write Better. And uh, it's an online writing class limited to 300 people. And uh, they, those tend to sell out. You can find all the details of that over at theminimalists.com slash workshop. I want to try to help you improve your writing, whether it's improving your business emails or if you want to write that first book or maybe you want to start a blog or write better blog posts or maybe you just want to write better text messages. I don't know, but I believe the rising tide lifts all boats. And so I tweeze out the most important ingredients for my four-week writing class over at howtowritebetter.org and spend these two hours with you talking about composition, editing, 
publishing and developing a good writing habit to improve your overall writing. I want to help you write better. And I think I can do that in just those two short hours. I also answer some questions. We do a bit of a writing Q&A at the end of that. So you can join me June 24th. Details over at theminimalists.com slash workshop. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Yeah, man. Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, my name is Kelly. I've actually been binge listening to some of your episodes on my long commute to work and had a couple of low cost solutions uh, based on your episodes on school and food. Uh, So for people who are considering going to college or graduate school and aren't sure if it's right for them, there is actually an online company called Coursera. They offer um, courses and for some of them you can actually earn a certification. Uh, They offer online courses that are offered um, by universities and taught by uh, university professors and all different kinds of topics. Right now, I'm actually taking the content management course through Northwestern University, and the subscription to do this is uh, $50 a month. So you can take the courses at your own pace, finish at your own pace, and at the end, if you decide to finish, you get a certificate. Um, If you don't decide to finish, you can unsubscribe. So it's a low-cost way to kind of dabble in higher education if you're trying to figure out if school is something that you're interested in. And since they offer classes on all kinds of topics, you can also dabble in um, different areas or majors to see where your interest may lie. In regards to the food episode, I know there are some people express concerns about wanting to eat organic, uh, but the cost was uh, a deterrent for them. There is actually a new company called Imperfect Produce. And what they do is they offer um, organic and non-organic options for um, delivery, actually. They take the produce that otherwise would have been sent to a landfill or not um, bought by grocery stores just because the produce might be a little large, it might be a little small, it might not look what we call perfect. Um, And Those are often the uh, groceries that are overlooked at the grocery store. Um, So what they do is they take that produce and they actually sell it. You can customize your box online and decide what you want, whether it's every week or every other week, and the box actually shows up at your door. It's uh, a company that's growing. So they don't offer for all cities, but they're slowly expanding. It's very inexpensive and you get organic produce um, delivered straight to you for a cost that would be much lower than buying it at, say, Whole Foods or a a grocery store that has expensive items. Hi, guys. Uh, My name is Maria. I'm from Moscow, Russia. Uh, I have a bipolar disorder, and most of the time I don't have a lot of energy, so stuff kind of piles up. Um, Whenever I do have it, I start decluttering, and I don't just get rid of things I don't need or like or haven't used in a while. I also ask myself, does this thing make me feel better about myself or worse? 
For example, I'm good at cooking, and since I have to eat, uh, I cook once a week or so, but mostly I live on takeouts and orderings. Um, and even though I always order healthy food and have a pretty good eating habits, I still feel guilty about not having home-cooked meals. I never wanted to cook in the first place, but having all those cooking stuff and not using it puts stress on me. It's a three times a day struggle. So last month I said to myself, okay, I don't want to worry about that anymore. It makes me like myself less. So I got rid of most of my kitchenware and kept only a few things essential to making eggs and coffee. I um, instantly felt better without all those pans and pots staring at me every time I enter my kitchen. Um, I don't have that stress anymore. And while I don't recommend that particular kind of cleanup, I will definitely say to anyone with bipolar or depression that having only things that you like to use or just look at will make you feel so much better. I know that most of us think one day uh, I'll get better and I finish that book or DIY project, but sometimes not doing that is what makes you closer to getting better. So throw it out, find it in your home. You don't want stuff dragging you down. Hi, my name is Rami. I'm from Bunbury in Western Australia. And my tip is for Adam, the rock climber that called a few episodes back. Um, he was wondering how to apply minimalism to rock climbing. So Adam, I have really good news for you. Rock climbing can be really budget if you want it to be. And I think this could apply to many extreme sports or any sports as it is. Um, if you want to save money, well, if you're just going to climb bouldering, all you need is a pair of shoes, a chalk bag and maybe a crash mat. You just climb short distances so the risk of falling is minimal. If you still want to go all the way up, you can share your equipment with a friend. Um, if you climb, you always need to partner with you unless you're doing free climbing, which I, I don't do and I don't really recommend. Um, so between the two of you, you only need one kit of gear. Your climbing gear as well, if you take really good care of it and keep it out of the weather as much as you can, you can keep it up to 10 years if there's no damage on it. Now with rock climbing, there's a lot of temptation as well with buying new gear all the time. They always come up with the latest thing. The same for any other sports. Really with rock climbing, nothing has changed in the last 50 years. The gear is getting a bit lighter, looks a bit flasher. But really, if you always keep in mind that you, you get your enjoyment from the sport just from being active at it rather than buying the latest gadget or the last tool you always think twice before you buy the next piece of gear keep in mind never save money if you're gonna risk yourself always spend the extra dollar if it's gonna keep you safe but think twice if you're being realistic with yourself and you're really keeping yourself safe or you just buying another piece of gear because it's flash and shiny and new. <laughs> um, another thing with your shoes, you don't have to buy new shoes every time you wear them out. 
There are heaps of little businesses out there that will fix your shoes for you, mend them, resole them for a fraction of the price. It normally costs around 40 bucks, where a brand new pair of shoes could cost you anywhere from 150 to 200 dollars. So you save quite a bit of coin there. Thank you for that. Stay safe and enjoy your climbing. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear